Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim. I'm here with Lance. And tonight we've got a pretty interesting interview with one of our buddies from north of the border from the Nighttime Podcast, our friend Jordan Bonaparte. He joins us to talk about Boston's vanishing men, the men who are found dead in water. And we're here to talk tonight about paranormal possibilities. How are you tonight, Lance? I'm doing extremely well. Thank you. How are you? Fantastic. Good. Yeah, I I think I mentioned in the uh, episode coming up that anytime we talk with Jordan, who's who's awesome, and you should really listen to his podcast. the The Nature Boy stuff is amazing. It is. It's it's incredibly interesting. But anytime we talk to Jordan, I feel like that's the the signal. It's like a bridge to win our episodes get more involved. It's almost like a little prelude. Everyone gets to take a break, take a breath, and then we move into something. Uh, we dig deeper. We get we get right into it. You said we, we talk about the paranormal with this. We It starts with that, but we really just have a cool conversation. Yeah, and we do mention this in the episode too, but we don't want the audience to misconstrue the order of this episode uh, as meaning that we're going to go after paranormal things with this case. We're going to look at a lot of things with this case. It just so happened we decided to check this angle out first because we kind of want to rule it out, I guess. Sure, it's going to be talked about anyway. We might as well talk about it now. We might as well talk about it with, with Jordan from the Nighttime Podcast, who has a really, he's really articulate in the way he speaks about anything paranormal or anything that's not explained. And again, it, it's, it's, you get it out of the way, you have a cool conversation, and we have a whole lot more to talk about with this case. And, and we, can, we can start really focusing on that coming up. Okay, so we hope you enjoy the interview. Follow us on Twitter at CrawlspacePod and email us if you have any thoughts. CrawlspacePodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Okay, so here we are with Jordan Bonaparte from the Nighttime Podcast. Jordan, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me back, Tim and Lance. And I say having me back. I was a guest on Maura Murray, but never on Crawl Space. So this is a big night. We'd love having you on. It's always a good time. And uh, we were just talking before we rolled that this is uh, we're going to, at least in my head, I'm treating this as a, as a bridge episode of Crawl Space. What do you mean by that? For the Boston, the, the vanishing men of Boston, I feel like when we have Jordan on, it's a bridge to something else. We're gonna we're gonna shift topics a little bit, and and bridge from the 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 reality or the the realisticness of there being some some sort of tangible thing going on with the missing men of Boston, the vanishing men of Boston, and we're gonna bridge into some uh, some alternative discussions. Yeah, I, I feel like we there are avenues to go down in this case, obviously. We've been contacted by a lot of people. Um, we have other episodes we're planning on doing. So the order of this episode, where we're going to talk about some paranormal possibilities with Jordan, isn't indicative of where the investigation is going. We're just spreading out wide, and we're taking a look at some paranormal possibilities. And so we thought of Jordan... Uh, one of the first people we thought of to talk to to 
sort of broach this topic because you cover some paranormal things on your show, but you also cover missing people, real life missing people and and things like that. So this is sort of a case that some might say would blend both genres. So so what do you have to say so far about this case? Yeah, it's uh, I'm probably unique where I'm really into paranormal ghost stories, UFOs, but I'm also a very grounded um articulate not articulate but uh analytical type mind so i when i get into a story that has maybe um paranormal aspects to it i generally want to find concrete proof or or some unexplainable thing that that leads me in that direction in fact when when i listened to your first part on, on this case i was kind of surprised that you went there so quick when i I wasn't. I didn't know that's what you were going to get into. So when I was listening to that episode, maybe you know five or ten minutes in, when you started getting into the a paranormal possibility, I was like, "It's about time these guys start talking about this stuff." I just want to be. I just want to be clear who got into the paranormal possibility. Lance, I did. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did happen? I don't remember actually. If I remember the the moment correctly, we started talking about uh, some sort of paranormal. Um, Sirens. reason <clears throat> yeah and right. then i went into the sirens thing it's the kind of case where your mind goes there initially because how have all these people disappeared all these similar types of people disappeared in a short amount of time and so many of these characteristics of their disappearances and and their deaths are similar that it it is eerie so then you start to think of, well, what has patterns? Like like uh, serial killers have patterns, but for it to be a serial killer, um, especially one, that's really far-fetched too. So it's definitely something we're going to look at, not something we're saying is off the table at all. But we wanted to talk about paranormal possibilities because that's also where your mind goes. Like it, if this isn't a serial killer and – you know what what's going on yeah it's it's definitely strange because there's so many similarities in terms of the age you know the small amount of space where this has happened as well as the the cases that were brought up on on the first episode of your show covering it it's it's mainly within i say like a 10-year period that you have all these all these uh things happening so it does bring the mind like a serial killer. It, it, it could fit. And I, I look forward to you exploring that as far as having a paranormal connection. Like if it was me researching it and I haven't researched it aside from just listening to your episode, what I would want to do is not do my research online, but I would want to go through the historical record for this area, looking for similar cases through history. Uh, you know, Boston's such an old city. If there's, you know, something happening to investigate it should have been happening for a long time so if you went to like the public archives let's say and got some old newspapers from 50 75 100 years ago it'd be really interesting if you know before the universities were set up and all that there if you could if if you could find similar things happening you know that amount of time ago i don't know if that's been done it seems like um is pronunciation Elise from the cryptid antiquarian? It seems like she seems she seems to be pretty much the leading researcher. I just don't know if she got that far yet. Where when I heard her talking about research, a lot of it was online research. It seemed, and I know there is research going into uh, pre two thousand three. 
to look for to look for patterns. There are people out there who have been looking into that, and uh, we'll we'll be talking to everybody who's been looking into this into this case. Uh, it's it's interesting that you that that you went there so quickly with this interview, um, because I'm wondering how far back you're imagining it it, it going, and. And and it it, it it kind of builds on uh, the the patterns, but you can answer. Yeah, it really. I would just go back as as far as possible because if you know if if it has some type of like what I would want to find for me to go towards paranormal is is something that starts the whole thing off. And right now, it's there's there's a several cases with similarities in a short amount of time, but I don't see. Anything that really is like it doesn't seem like there's, you know, this significant thing in history that would, you know, create enough dark energy or enough uh, any reason for something bad to, to, to happen. Are you it saying just, there was no Boston Massacre? Is that what you're saying? Well, it'd be interesting if, if you could if you could trace something back that far. I just I, I just don't see why. And, you know, what happened in 2003 that would that would start something off? Maybe. um you know, as you went, because the, the way often like a paranormal story or a good ghost story, often this comes from a good writer that's imaginative, but also does good research. And people talk about um, in paranormal writing, like myth building or, or lore building, where they'll take a series of similar cases like what we have here, and they'll just go back through history to find, you know, the root of it. And build a story that way. Right now, what's what's here is the basics that some that a, a good writer would start with, and work back from to to build the lore, build the myths. Just for an example, if you found something that happened, you know, 150 years ago, that would be you know really really dark and um, unsavory. You could maybe make the case for for that leading to you know, future things happening, but just for what's there now, my mind wouldn't go towards the paranormal. It, I think more likely it would be, um, either like a serial killer could be possible, but even more likely than that, I think it's just a social situation with a lot of young people, probably university students taking risks, uh, ending up near the water, either due to, you know, suicide or misadventure. To me, that seems to be, you know, the most likely explanation. And, and without a, a clear thing from history that would get the ball rolling in terms of a, you know, a paranormal beginning to this, I, I just don't, I haven't seen that come out. Yeah, that's a really good point. Go back as, as far as you can and look into these disappearances. I, I think maybe you've, uh, you, you're, uh, you, you got some uh, imagination adrenaline going on with um, the, the release of It soon that there was this there was this uh moment where where it happened and and it's it keeps reoccurring i do love that concept though well it's true and but but could it could it be something like the salem witch trials i mean obviously that's something that that gives you a ton of dark energy if if you're a believer in this obviously and i i believe in energy and and that is going to give a, a ton of energy out. Salem, Massachusetts, to this day has a, an odd energy to it, but it's not necessarily right next to Boston, or it's not in Boston. It's like twenty miles, thirty miles away, or whatever it is. Um, so I don't know if if paranormal energy can jump, can travel down, can take an Uber, 
down the highway? <laughs> I don't know if it takes Uber, but there, there's Lyft. certainly a, a lot of dark history all around there. And dark history wouldn't wouldn't have this starting in 2003. So I would think if it was if there was more something more to it there would be a more clear consistent history going back to you know as, as far back as history allows that and i and i think that's what's missing but if if a lot of the research is done online that would make sense why you know 2003 and forward is is the news reports and the results that you're that are are surfacing but um that would be something for for a researcher and and there's other things you could you could do too like there's and different people, you know, believe different things about this, but there are a lot of um, enthusiasts who use different means to investigate the possibility of paranormal energy or the existence of of life after death. And, you know, if you believe in ghosts, some people believe ghosts could be lingering around uh, wanting to talk to us and screw with us. I've gone on um, and I know it's uh, people are rolling their eyes as I, as I say this, but I've gone on several uh People will call them, and I use scare quotes. They'll call them investigations into into the paranormal, where they use the different types of equipment. And it does take a bit of an imagination, but I've heard things and seen things that I find incredible and really make my imagination go. One like one thing I would like if it could be the problem in in this case is a lot of these are are newer cases with families that are still suffering so it, it w- would be seen as disrespectful but using the type of means people would use to investigate the paranormal or the possibility of a haunting you could use that just to see where where it takes you like dowsing rods or something um i wasn't going there but there's uh what kind of where, where it usually starts is this thing people will call a spirit box and any if you ever watch those shows about like haunted houses and stuff they use these and basically what it is is it's it's like an am fm radio and it's set so that it's just um it's playing the the sound of the am fm radio through a speaker but the um it's cycling through the channels or through the frequencies really quick so it'd be like if you had your radio on full blast and you were just spinning the wheel as fast as possible so it's only spending say like a, a millisecond or a, fra- or a fraction of a second on each channel so what you're actually hearing is just like as every so often it's picking up a channel that has a signal people who believe in this believe that the spirits that are present on earth are able to influence the sounds between the channels so if they have something to say to you they they can they can uh, manipulate the sound of the that the spirit box is making so the way you would do it if you were going to do it is you would stand at the side of the water you would have your spirit box blasting this awful sound that's just and you would record that and you would say something like is there anyone here and if there is do you have something you want to say to me and then you would listen to the blah, 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 and try to hear it respond to you in some way. Some people will go a step forward farther where they'll take that recording, put it on a computer and try to manipulate it to try to find a way, you know, to try to find a voice within there. But um, people who are, you know, non-believers in this, they would maybe say that they're just manipulating it until they make it say what they want using software. But anyway, I would be really curious to hear the results of someone using that type of test uh, 
near the waters on a case like this. Uh, just uh, first, when when the thought this thought went through my head simultaneously as I saw Tim nod as as if he was understanding what you were talking about, the thought that went through my head while he was nodding like yeah was what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I don't um, know. Yeah, I think I was just like interested in. No, no, you were going. Else. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's an interesting idea. Yeah, I think I would. I think I would love to do it. I think it's. Well, I think it's a, it's, a, a solid idea. It's uh, what, yeah, what, but what, it's, what else are we gonna, what are we going to do? We're gonna we're gonna hunt a serial killer with binoculars. We're gonna walk around and uh, wear a sandwich board that says "serial killer." Hey, we're right here. Like um, we're, we're this is out of the box ideas. These are out of the box thinking. Those, <laughs> yeah. those are fantastic ideas too. Um, we've talked about going down there and walking these routes and everything, and you can do all of these things. I was actually just going to back up and say, if you're doing something and you're not hurting anybody, doing something that might you know uh, bring you some sort of answer for this, I don't see it as being disrespectful at all. As long as you have established that you're doing it in good faith. We're yeah. just keeping an open mind here. You know, it, 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 all these ideas are outside the box because this is a case that is not normal. And people aren't doing anything, and it hasn't stopped. So I don't know what, what the answer is, what to do. Yeah, and really you're not talking about a case. What, what your series seems to be about, rather than a case, is about a connection that all these other cases have. So it's, um, it's a bit different. If you were investigating any one of these stories, you'd be interviewing friends and where were they that day and, you know, what was going on in their life, where really what it seems you're focused on is just this trend that's apparent starting since somewhere around 2003. So, you know, you're you're talking about something odd. So I guess um, I guess it makes it's a bit different than, you know, a, a typical a typical discussion like this. Um, but as far as, you know, the the paranormal, the spirit box thing, it's. It's similar to like a Ouija board. So it's more of a, like often people will take it on as a group activity, more so for fun. But people who are really into it would apply it in a case like this just to see what could happen. Because you hear, you know, police investigators will talk to a psychic. And this is really no different than that if, you know, depending on where you, you know, I'm avoiding making this like a religious discussion. But dependent on where you fall, you know, within the spectrum of a of believer, uh, this isn't a lot different than, you know, talking to a psychic. Some people would also say you could just go down on the water and take some pictures and, you know, develop them and see if you see some weird stuff. But as someone who went to school for photography, I would urge you not to do that because most of it can be explained pretty easily. Right. And and look at what you've said. You you said that uh, you'd be interested in seeing a pattern that started before 2003, something that goes even further back. And that was something that, that Tim and I have never put out there to uh, to the listening audience. Who I would speak to if, if I was investigating this, aside from going through old newspapers, I would just, I would try to find like a like a historian, somebody who's lived there for years and is interested in history and, and not really tell them what you're working on, but see, see, you know, see what they could, what they could tell you similar to that could be connected to this that's happening, you know, historically. Cause if you could find a trend going back, it's a, it's a much different story than 2003 on. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, so if, if there are any historians listening, or if anyone knows any Bostonian historians, please contact us um, because this is 
not exactly uh, an area that we're super familiar in. Um, Jordan, are you are you familiar with David Politis and his work? Not familiar, no. But I'd love to hear about it. Uh, the missing four one one series um, of, yes. of books. Uh, it came okay. up on, on our first episode in in this uh, case. Um, yeah, I just he, didn't know the researcher's name, but yes, I am. Yeah, he writes about clusters of people who go missing. Often, a lot of them are wearing red. A lot of them are from national parks, but he's really isolated these clusters all over the country, um, and I believe people have taken it to all over the world. What do you think of of that work? Well, I, I kind of relate that back to what I mentioned prior about the idea of like myth building and lore building, which is some if you, a, a writer with a great imagination that's well organized can collect enough similar cases and you know and build a case for whatever your your belief is or whatever idea you're trying to push and what i think could he could have done is just collected all the cases of missing people from national parks and when you put them all together you know in one list all of a sudden it seems like there's a lot going on and it's just like 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 they say um statistics and numbers and graphs and charts you can kind of make them say whatever you want depending on how you you know how you put the chart together or how you lay out the numbers it kind of works the same way with with a story like that if you know having it all laid, laid in front of you you're like whoa that's a lot of people missing from national parks you're saying that national parks on average are a little bit more dangerous than you know your random suburban street Right, obviously, because there's hiking involved, there's cliffs, things like that. So it's probably not a coincidence that more people go missing there or die there than on a suburban street. And when you look at this case, the Vanishing Men of Boston, a lot of these men turn up in water. It's like, well, Boston's surrounded by water. So is it really that coincidental? Also, the colors of Boston College maroon and gold the colors of boston university violet these men are in their early 20s they're going to college there's the the red Sox play there if we're making a connection with these you know some of them were wearing red and that that goes into the whole red thing it's like well you know they this guy left a a, a sporting event he might have been wearing a red Sox jersey or something that was red it could just be a coincidence that that color turned up like just as just as well it could have been like they all just happen to have glasses or brown hair, or, you know, whatever the case is. But it's, you know, there could be more to it. But I, I think Boston, a lot of university students, a lot of risk-taking, uh, drugs, alcohol, bars, you know, and, and even some of the stories involved, you know, um, although in, in the prior episode where you discussed it, one guy, I think, um, at least from the Cryptid Antiquarian, had mentioned he had drank, you know, that night, but only a small amount. But... It, it, you know, if you're throwing all that in there and you have a bunch of people around water, sometimes people are going to end up in water. And I live in a university town myself, and once every couple of years, you know, something dark happens around the university. And I'm sure in my hometown, I could trace back the last 15 years and, you know, and find several cases that, that mirror exactly what's going on there. But I just wonder if, if this could be a case of someone who's just well-organized that went through the uh, history from 2003 to present and just managed to find these cases.
one gentleman is in a blizzard and he's talking on the phone after leaving a bar. He might not be drunk, but he is in a blizzard and he is talking on the phone. So he is distracted and he's walking down to the piers. And and I think Tim and I both said, and I thought at the time, how do you just walk it, like into the water? I mean, isn't there like, you know, something stopping you from doing that? And just going down there and looking around, there's there really isn't a lot of stuff stopping you from just walking into the water. Especially if it's dark and, you know, in a heavy blizzard, weird things can happen. One of the, uh, on a side note or a sidebar, one of the oddest experiences I've ever had, I was driving my car on a dark highway at night and there was a, a pretty good blizzard and the wind was coming behind me, um, like uh, coming over my over my car, but it, the wind was coming almost at the exact speed that I was driving, like say, you know, 100 kilometers an hour or 80 miles per hour, whatever is in the States. But the wind was like the same speed I was driving. And because of that, the snowflakes in the air just seemed to be suspended still in front of my car, like the my headlights were, were uh, lighting them up. So I felt like myself and all the snowflakes were stationary and I could just see the yellow line on the road kind of weaving around just the way it was moving. And it was so disorienting and odd to walking in heavy snow, you know, not that that would happen, but odd things can happen. And I could see how someone could end up in the water. Yeah, even without that snow hypnosis going on, if you're distracted a little bit and and you've had maybe even two beers, so you're you know loosened up a little bit and you're, you're on your smartphone, yeah, you're, you're, or you're looking on your phone yeah, too. Yeah, there are very interesting cases that we just can't explain with these missing men. I'll, uh, for example, um, Jonathan Daly, who was found in the Charles River by the uh, Boston University rowing coach, and. Uh, law enforcement said that he was wrapped in chains and weighted down by a cement block like that is that that's clearly something that's clearly something uh, nefarious right there I, I don't think that's clearly something nefarious it could be him committing suicide he's 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 it's the same reason that aaron hernandez um sprayed dish soap underneath the area where he hung himself it's to prevent him from stopping the suicide after he is already attempting it Excellent point, and I'll take that back. I, my intention with the comment was to say you can see how the perception of something nefarious would be there. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. looking at these cases, and you know, in hindsight, is different. Like, say you you brought up Elisa Lamb's case actually in the last episode. Much like that, when you're you're looking at the the strange circumstances surrounding the death. When you just are, a, you know, an outsider who walks in and finds a body, you know, it may look so unusual, but, you know, there's you don't know what happened and, and how he ended up in that position. Certainly something, you know, unnatural happened that that led to led to that death. But it, you know, it could be a lot of things. Well, I just want to point out one quick thing about um, coincidences, patterns and accidents and how it's so easy to fall into the romantic feeling of the story right you said things become uh things become lore after a certain period like after after the the right writer or the 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 appropriate take and the angle is put on it you can link anything together and it becomes very very like very good storytelling very rich storytelling um and and this case by far is one of the most tempting to do that with because you can you can look at all of them individually and you can really you can really put your links there too 
even even on the older gentlemen, you can put your links there. You know, they were they were older, but this guy was a professor at MIT, and this guy, um, this guy was wearing red. So, yeah, or there was a smiley face insignia. You can start to put your put the uh, the pinpoints in there. Um, doing this, and I, I don't know if this this definitely applies to you as well, Jordan. But doing this with Tim and I, um, it's. And Tim mentioned it uh, on another episode where at some point we just kind of we just kind of grew out of the the, the the fun of it. You know, they're, they're, it's really not that fun to apply paranormal situations to someone who just went missing and was found a month ago. And, you know, the, the poor family is there and we're like, oh, you know, a siren took him into the water. Yeah, we're yucking it up yeah. over here. Yeah. 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 Well, it's with paranormal research and interest it's often old stories you know in 1840 this person was thought to be a witch because if somebody and i'll 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 go here and you may want to cut this out but if if you really wanted to research paranormal and uh, in, in find evidence of a haunting the spot to go wouldn't be a um you know an old house in your town that's run down it would be to go where something brutal and and terrible happened over a long period of time like places that were um associated with world war ii let's say um nobody would ever do an investigation on a place like that because it's just too sensitive and emotional so instead it's reserved for we're going to investigate the basement of this old building and you know in your town or gettysburg from the civil war because that was much longer ago yeah you're far enough removed like the people who were affected by it's you know grandparents aren't here anymore to be upset by it or grandchildren let's say but um a case like this would be controversial to apply something as controversial as you know paranormal research to maybe in a hundred years somebody will um be downloading podcasts from you know back in the day and they'll stumble upon this and then they'll go and do it and it'll be much more acceptable i have a question about entities on camera Right, we just talked about entities coming through on radio or some kind of uh, using some kind of frequency. So CCTV is you know security cameras up all over the city, and some of these guys were caught on CCTV. Some of them specifically entering the water. That was what law enforcement, Boston police, said. So uh, I think you see where I'm going with this. Uh, Would a ghost? you know whatever we're talking dark entities we're talking out of the box ideas would a ghost appear on cctv and second part of that question what would the boston police department do would they even notice would they believe it i mean these are people who are very grounded in reality they're trained to not look at something like what we're talking about right now so even if they did see something that you and i were might say, oh, well, that could be some kind of dark entity. Would they even admit that to themselves or to anyone else? Yeah, good question. It depends. I guess it depends what you see on the video because some people believe that photography, uh, digital or or traditional film photography, can capture things from you know beyond life or from beyond our world. Um, some disagree with that and i'm more of on the team of disagreeing with that i have never seen a photo or or evidence um, to support that but i have seen things happen on video that i can't explain either people doing things that could be 
a sign of mental illness or could be sign of something compelling them to do something odd. Uh, like just for example, walk into water for no apparent reason or do something that would require, you know, superhuman strength. I would, I would just be speculating without seeing the video, but I think seeing the video would, would tell you the story. If it, if it was a, su- a suicide or if it was an accidental falling, that would be, um, that you would think would be apparent in the video. But I, I couldn't imagine police um, concealing something because they fear it would be evidence of a, of paranormal activity. Although I would like to live in a world where that would happen. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> what What's your take on the uh, time frame of these disappearances? For the most part, the majority of the disappearances were at the end of the fall, beginning of winter, and at the end of the winter, beginning of spring-ish, October, November, and, and February, March. Uh, is there is there a uh, outside-the-box explanation or theory from you? When I think of that, where my mind goes is if, it, if suicide and risk-taking and seasonal depression, that could explain some of the people, you know, late winter. Uh, someone who, uh, myself as someone who lives in a university town, um, early fall leading into winter is when a lot of the university students are coming back, you know, September. So people are partying hard and, you know, having a great time. So that could talk to the social factors. As far as thinking outside the box, I can't think of any reason that that time of year would be any more powerful spiritually or or in any way. But again, there could be something from history that, you know, that time of year would, would build the case, but really without finding something in history to base the, a paranormal conclusion on it's, it's kind of hard to say. I'm going to put you to the test here. Uh, So are there any, like what? What could it be? All right, in lore, in in, in history of what you know about paranormal uh, possibilities, about what we're talking about. Like uh, we mentioned sirens, right? So that's something that sort of exists in folklore as as uh, a woman or women out in <clears throat> in water summoning men towards them, and maybe they're figments of their imaginations, and so maybe that's how these men drown. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that you've heard of, uh, other than in, in, in like, you know, complete ridiculous folklore mm-hmm. in, you know, I've, I've heard of that in mythology and folklore, but what, what it would come down to and what, what, it, where I would be thinking is this is happening to men and it's happening when men are alone. It seems to be mainly at, at night and it seems to involve water. As far as connecting all that and finding some connection, you know, if, if something is getting them in the water, so, you know, there's, there's video of it, the video of them entering the water, if it was them falling into the water in the, in the video you were referring to, I don't see why the police wouldn't say that it was an accidental death. Why would the police keep a photo of somebody slipping into the water or a video of someone slipping into the water? I'm thinking there must be something suspicious my mind and this is me completely speculating i'm thinking that's a video showing somebody walking into the water or climbing into the water in some unusual way so my question then would be you know what is compelling these men to get into the water um are they doing it 
for a logical reason, uh, i.e. ending their own life as suicide? Or are they doing it for an Ill- illogical reason, like not, you know, being controlled by some other force? So as someone, if it was Halloween, I would say there's the possibility that there's something affecting the men, vulnerable men of Boston who are on their own that's bringing them to the water. What that is, I don't know. With the men that have that have, that are on the list since 2003, if you set aside the, the apparent suicides and you set aside the apparent accidents, somebody leaving a bar and going down to the water to uh, to take a leak and they fall in uh, and get swept away and then they're found a couple days later, if you take those aside and you think that there is some force out there that is selecting other people, other young men. One thing I remember back in the early 2000s when you're leaving a bar in Boston was that the train shut down early. The train ran at, at, at I think the last train was like, it depended on where you're at, but like 1245 or one o'clock. The bars closed between 2 and 215. Last call was like 145 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but if you're staying till last call, you're not making a train. Right, exactly. That's my point. You're not making a train. Also, Uber and Lyft did not exist back then, and the cab service was incredibly tough to get. If you were leaving a bar and you were trying to hail a cab, how many times have you walked so many blocks trying to hail a cab? Because everybody's hundreds of kids, hundreds of college students are out there trying to hail a cab. Yeah, it would take a half an hour at, t- at some points. Right. So we have these stories of um, – of one of the uh, one of the victims walking uh, walking down the street and and there is a, a a majority of young men who leave a bar and they text their girlfriend or they're on the phone with their girlfriend or they're talking uh, to friends they leave a bar and it's back then it before Uber uh, before Lyft there was an instinctive uh, intrinsic motivation to look for a cab and try to hail a cab and we have stories of of these missing men who will they'll be with a group and then the group loses sight of them and that could easily be them seeing a cab and running to the cab and the cab driver picks them up i'm not exactly putting out a theory here but that could be one of the forces that you're talking about and we're not talking paranormal we're talking about a cab driver a, a, a sadistic cab driver you get into, you find the cab, you get in, or a a, a, a livery driver. I I've been out there and I've I've had people pull up in, uh, you know, the, the livery cars like a black Buick or something, and and they say, you know, twenty bucks, I'll take all your friends home, and that's what they do. That was before Uber. They would they would drive around and they would just get the get the rides. It's perfectly legal. But imagine that. That's just a that's just a theory that I said I wasn't really putting out there, but I guess I'm putting it out there by saying it. But that that fits in my head. All of the accidents and suicides aside, when you leave a bar and you're with a group of people, you're looking for a cab. You were looking for a cab back then. Now you call Uber. Michael Kelleher, look at look at his situation. There's there's the there's the evidence on his phone. They have where he pinged his Uber, and he never got into allegedly never got into that Uber. So what happened, you know, in his life at that part, at that point? And if it was suicide, why would he be calling a new, yeah. He left the Celtics game in the third quarter. Hmm. Right, left the Celtics game in the third quarter when his coworker slash friend went back to the car that uh, probably expecting to meet him there, he wasn't there. In the meantime, he was down in an area uh, one Tremont Street, one thirty eight Tremont Street in Boston, and and 
which is an 18 minute walk from the from the garden and that's not very accessible to water at that point so what compelled him to go towards the water what brought him there and if you know if you're far from the water and you were considering suicide like people will often go for what's quick and easy and near them so to walk you know across the city to find water would seem unusual Jordan, were you getting at some kind of possession or something like that uh, a little while ago? Well, the possibility – well, not the possibility, but to to use this as a springboard for um, imaginative thought. If there, was, uh, if there was some force that was able to um, – that was able to control people. Uh, that could, you know, that could be something like that could be at play because something's bringing these guys into the water. And, and that's really, it's the water and, and them ending up in the water. To me, that's, that's odd. Accidents happen, but that's a lot of accidents for a short amount of time. And suicide by water, it does happen, but that just seems like, like a lot. So if there was some force connected to the water, that was compelling these people to, you know, drawing these people towards it. That would be interesting. Um, and seeing the police video of this guy entering the water, I would like to see. I would like to see that to see if there's there there could be the possibility. There's there's so many explanations. That's just you know walking down that one road and considering that one. Not to say that's what I believe is happening, but it would you know it could fit. How, how frustrating do you think it is to be a police officer and just looking at a video of somebody entering the water, which is what they, the wording that they used, that he was entering the water and and obviously goes off frame, right? He enters the water, he goes off frame, and, you know, at some point he drowned. Like, how frustrating must, must that be, one, to have to explain that to the family and to the people looking into it and two just not knowing what happened you're looking at something that you almost see what happened uh, i don't think we have an answer for that because we're not law enforcement but that has to be extremely frustrating especially when you get a bunch of like jamokes like us who you know talk about it and say oh it's weird wording entering the water and the police are probably like well what the fuck are we supposed to say like he, like, he entered they don't know what he's doing and they're just seeing a yeah, they're seeing a brief moment of a very strange time in someone's life. Yeah. And we don't know the quality of the video. Maybe it's saying he entered because, you know, far off in the distance, there's just, you know, a little thing happens and there's someone in the water. So they don't know what happened. So, you know, we'd be speculating as to what they mean by choosing that word. But I'm sure they see footage of, you know, people doing unexplainable strange things that result in death and they're left you know holding the bag to try to figure out you know what what force was at play to lead that to happen i've seen a video just recently online it was um gone viral or whatever they say where it was a a man in court he was in court um and had just been or all signs were pointing to him being found guilty of this really twisted crime against a child i believe and it's just the CCTV footage of him, like the court took a break or the trial took a break. And it's like him and his two lawyers walk out of the courtroom into like kind of this courtyard where they would have a chance to like talk. 
but it was all, it was like three stories up. So they're just walking casually, and he just as they're walking, talking, he just walks towards the rail and just allows himself to just fall over it, you know, three stories down to his death. And if you see that video, it doesn't it doesn't look like he's intentionally doing it, but he obviously didn't fall because he just walked towards it and did it. But that would be something where you know the police probably see video like that all the time and. You know, there's no explanation for what happened. The story that I just told you, it had the context of this guy had something really heavy about to happen to him. So it's easier to put it together. But if all you had was the video of that happening without the context, it would uh, be a different piece of footage. It certainly does open up the darker side of human nature, doesn't it? When you start talking about things like this, because every every account that we've read so far is that these these young men who have gone into the water have been you know not suicidal and and for the successful and smart and well adjusted but it opens up this dark part like you didn't know that there might have been something going on there that there was that you know this guy's going to wrap himself in chains and and tie cinder blocks in because he is he's he doesn't want to like you said tim he doesn't want to stop himself um yeah those things those things don't those things don't always become so apparent to people immediately around the person. And especially if you're looking at a video. Mm-hmm. And it could be, you know, mental health could be at play. But again, on an isolated case is one thing. This is a collection of similar cases, which just makes it unique. But it's it comes back to lore and myth building. Somebody has put this together, collected them, uh, a homeless guy doesn't add anything to the story if anything he takes away from the the young guys who are ending up so if you're if this is the myth you're building you would you would exclude him yeah yeah exactly let's run with this then this uh this thing that i'm looking at right now is perry rusum i think that's how you pronounce his name from nbc boston and when this broke on april 9th at 6:41 p.m. He posts a picture of the uh, Back Bay Fens, the Money River, and Boston police say body recovered at Back Bay Fens is not Michael Kelleher. Well, who is it? I guess the guy doesn't matter. I guess that's not yeah, part of your. It's I guess not that's the guy part, we're looking yeah, for. It's not part of your your you know the story or it's just uh, yeah. a generic body. Generic body. Generic <laughs> body is not this guy. It doesn't fit into the lore. Did was the article updated later? To say it was who a Twitter. The was because. Okay, because obviously if if there's a missing person and then a body shows up, that's the first question people are going to ask. Is it the missing person? It turns out that the guy was a, it was a homeless man, and you have to dig deep to even find the, the poor guy's name. So they maybe they didn't know at the time, but they certainly knew when they pulled him out that it wasn't a you know early 20s white guy. I don't know. I think water can do some weird things to bodies. What I know about about these these cases and what they have in common my mind like paranormal wouldn't be where my mind would go i'd be looking at a social explanation a serial killer be it a you know a cab driver that would totally fit or a movie that i love is an old horror movie called maniac cop and it's about a police officer who's love that movie uh, yeah so good but it's it's so true like if a police officer ever wanted to go on a killing spree he would have a really easy time and he could get away with it for a long period of time um unless there's body cameras yeah i guess that's that's different now yeah the the world's changed since the movie maniac cop was filmed sadly um but yeah my mind would be looking at about at social causes like the type of people you know 
the possibility of mental health problems, the stress they have through school, seasonal depression, you know, being in a new city, drinking, winding up on their own, stumbling around in a blizzard, you know, not to say that that's what's happening, but on the surface, those are the things that I'd be looking at before I went towards paranormal. But going to paranormal is a lot more fun. And there's some cool things you can do, like playing with a spirit box. And I'm sure you could find someone from Boston who's into that, that would stand on the waterfront with a spirit box and send you guys some recordings that would be like, that would really blow your mind. And the the whole thing with the spirit box, what you what you want is not just to hear a voice saying something, but you want the voice to be saying something clear that connects you with a specific case. Like if you ask the question, you know, can anyone hear me? If they responded by saying, you know, the name or a detail related to one of the people who, who passed away that you're investigating, that would be a really interesting piece of audio. And I'm sure there's people like if someone listening to this is from Boston and they experiment with this type of thing, you know, I'd be interested in hearing about that. I'd be interested in hearing it too, and I would be interested in going down and seeing the whole process happen. Um, please don't start sending us a bunch of radio spirit box audio that we have to listen to. <laughs> uh, if if you if anyone out there is interested and you have it and you're willing to do something like that, let us know and we will join you for it. Um, as opposed to getting a, a, a QuickTime yeah. <laughs> file. Downloading things from people we don't know isn't our favorite thing to do. Yeah, maybe uh, Ixnay on the mailing spirit box recordings to Lance and Tim. Then uh, (laughs) instead, they want you to bring them down there. But I've done it a bunch of (laughs) times. (laughs) Well, that's what you said. It's an open invitation. You you said it in a lot like (laughs) in a lot more dangerous way. (laughs) (laughs) We'll meet you. yeah, yeah, we'll but, meet you. We'll meet you. Yeah, but it is a fun time. I've done it before, and it's it's really cool. But it would this case, or these collection of cases, would be a great playground for that sort of thing to to happen. And the question is, is it respectful? And um, I don't I don't think I'm in a place to answer that. person goes missing, their loved ones often find themselves overcome with worry and grief. Bruce Maitland started the 501c3 nonprofit organization Private Investigations for the Missing because he knows this feeling all too well. When Bruce's daughter Brianna disappeared in March 2004, he was surrounded by licensed private investigators dedicated to finding her. Now his mission is to provide dedicated private investigators at no cost to other families of the missing, desperate for answers but without the financial means. Private Investigations for the Missing needs your help. To read the mission statement, make a donation, and keep up with our blog, visit us at investigationsforthemissing.org and follow us at PI for the Missing on Twitter and Facebook and Investigations for the Missing on Instagram. Because forever is too long to wait.